Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Review Crew. It's where the writers and editors from No Persinium gather to chat about what we saw during the week and then pick the pick of the week. This week we have our founder and publisher. Uh, that'd be me, Noah Nelson. I'm going to turn something. Chicago curator. Hey everyone, it's Patrick McLean. And our New England correspondent. Hi, hi, this is Leah Davis. Welcome oh. to the crew, Leah. Yes, it's her first Leah. time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm Kevin Gossett, the LA Reviews Editor. And we're going to kick it off with a dive into Tender Absence's three different shows that they ran a few weeks ago. Um, so that would be The City at Your Feet, A Walk in the Park, and Run Club. And we're going to kick it off with our first timer today, Leah. All right. So I did The City at Your Feet. Um, did anyone else do this? I'm curious. Do we only do the ones we review? Yes. I yeah. only had time to review <laughs> the ones we, uh, I was assigned to. That said really quick, just to give a little more context, I think uh, Tender Absence, This we, we are only talking about three of the shows of I think there was at least a couple more. Uh, it was like a, a collection of curated audio-based experiences, mostly either pod plays pre-recorded that you could experience, or some of which, which I believe the two of you had, were live experiences. Um, right? Correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, mine was super interesting, too. It only ran, it had one run, uh, so I don't know how they play-tested it or anything, but the experience that I had started at 8 a.m., in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, And it started for people around the world. So at the exact same time, uh, an unknown number of people gathered in places that they found familiar. You could start at your doorstep or I started in a public park and got connected to a guide who then led us through a series of tasks interacting with the space that we felt very familiar in. Uh, So it was neat. It was like being on a little personal field trip in my city. Um, and let's see. I think yeah, what was, was in- the, so like, what was the intention behind your piece? Cause I think also, I, I, I think it's safe to say, at least with the one I experienced that most likely for you and Kevin, that yours all had a very clear intention and purpose in what they were trying to convey, whether it was narratively or emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Uh, thank you. So this was a playful show and it was entirely about reframing your experience uh, in in a place that you feel really comfortable in and letting you see it with traveler's eyes. Uh, so it had a few different components that worked more or less well together. Um, and that was the overall theme. You'd do tasks for an hour and a half or so. And then after that hour and a half, I had the opportunity to get to get connected to another traveler. Uh, this one was in Germany. She and I didn't know each other. And we spent half an hour sharing pictures about where we were and talking about what was the same or what was different. Um, and it was this clarifying moment of feeling like, oh, hey, I've been looking at the streets of Brown University and at the Providence River the same way that I would be looking at um, a, a city that I was visiting on vacation. Uh, and she had been doing the same. So sharing that, sharing that 
moment for just a second really drove home the point there. Um, Was that shift because of the prompts or because of the conversation you were having? uh, Well, let me give you an example, example of one of the prompts. So right off, right off the bat, I was asked to flip a coin and that determined my very first action, whether I would go left or right from the point where I was standing. Um, And after that, my, my host, Gabby, who was this really kind, encouraging person that I was talking with over the Telegram app, uh, asked how I was feeling today, which is always a tough question because I don't know, hungry, cold. Um, But she gave me a few options and I chose curious from my list. Uh, And I gather had I chosen something else, she would have put me on a different, a different track, but curious, let me started starting, uh, let me started, got me interacting with, the the five senses five senses so she asked me what i smelled and we followed a sense uh, and it led me further and it really gave me this sense of like interacting with space in a way that i really wasn't used to doing because who follows a smell around their city when they have to go grocery shopping or pick up the kids from work or whatever um for your kids who work and don't go to school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, with the way this economy is going, uh, you know, just uh, the government, that's what the, that's what they want. So education, kids, kids, whatever you smell, go get it. That's dinner. Have go, go, go. Hey, thank God the kids can still, still have their sense of smell. So let's just, that's a little too dark, a little too dark. Oh no. I'm fast these days, guys. I'm sorry. Oh man. Uh, uh, right though. So, so it was a really just a tactile show. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and, and how, how, oh, well, I was no, just no, no, curious because no. a big part of in, in reading your review and I would really love to learn a little more about your interaction with the other person, the, um, and how you both were exploring your city simultaneous and how you know because you're messaging and things like that did it truly feel as uh intimate as your review denoted uh was there anything really engaging about that i would love to just learn more about that particular aspect because i think the one i'm talking about was just myself and i think kevin you were by yourself or there was a performer you were following but not engaging with so i'm kind of curious leah for you yeah, mine was mine was with the performer. Actually, before Leah, let's come back to you in a second. Patrick, why don't you talk about your show a little bit? I'll talk about mine, and then maybe we can kind of talk about all three of them together, yeah. so we have more kind of context and can maybe kind of piece together kind of what they were doing with the whole tender absence show as a whole. Yeah, a great idea for sure. So I did a a walk in the park, which was by Fast Familiar, who was being presented as part of this festival, and. Mine was uh, roughly a 30-minute experience, a little longer, where you put on headphones or you stick in the earbuds, and you walk around a park, ideally one that is probably large and populated. It's kind of at a more busier time, and you're just listening to a companion. So basically, kind of the conceit is that maybe this is the first time you've seen this person in a while or had an opportunity to walk with another person to safely physically interact with someone so you are guided through prompts that are you know kind of very specific in regards to you know the if the path uh, forks up ahead pick a direction do you see someone like 
that's kind of examine that moment. Take a second to leave a mark, like denote your physical presence in some way. And I wonder if someone will do it. And it was full of a lot of observations and activities about engaging with the space. But there was a heavier kind of um, current in it in regards to that this piece is actually a response to the murder of Sarah Everhard, who recently, back in, I think it was February or March, went missing in uh, a park and ultimately, tragically, was found murdered uh, by a police officer in I don't want to say London, so you know the you know the uh, not uh, the greater England UK area, and this had a profound effect. And ultimately, at the end, there's a conversation from the creators where they're talking about the safety, like how well do you know the park you walk around in the sense of like the safety. What are the other people there? How are they interacting? How are you subconsciously interacting and engaging? And it was kind of a very interesting dichotomy that they were trying to produce in regards to parks are meant for everyone, but does that really mean everyone should use them? And can we use them safely? And that was kind of what mine was about. Kevin, what about you? Yeah, so Run Club was a one-on-one show, or it's sort of one-on-one. Um by Ira Brand, where she has become a runner in COVID and she wanted to have a show about running. So you, she plays in your headphones while you you move around your city or space or wherever you are, and she's running. I, I It sounds like she's actually running during the show too. I think that maybe there's some like audio cue she pushes in to make some, some points, but I think she's actually running the whole time. Uh, so I opted to run with her, and I think it's like a 25-minute show by the end. Um, and I'm not sure how it plays for anyone who is who is not a runner, but I found it really kind of personal, and it, it touched on a lot of things that I've experienced or thought about while I'm running or as a runner. And it was just this very like internal show, and it sounds like both the ones you went through were a little bit more external about the external space rather than kind of the interiority of like, the creator and what they were going through. So I found that super interesting. And it was it was just like a really cool idea to, to run and like kind of get that movement out there. Um, she offered to like have people walk or run or kind of move generally. And I do think the running was, was important to it. And it kind of allowed us to sync up in some, some strange ways um, that I talked about in the, the piece I wrote where it was like, I've had these thoughts, I've had these like very similar feelings and ideas and it, it felt like I knew her and she was in my head and then, but I couldn't communicate with her and, and let her know that back by the end of the show. And it just kind of ends as she's re- like kind of finished with her run and ready to go on. And that's kind of, that's what run club's about. And, and Kevin, were you, in, so you were kind of somewhat interacting, interacting, following, uh, Ira Brand in that sense, but were you aware of how many other people were running with you or was it kind of singular or just uh, you and them in that sense? It was it was just me and Ira. Um, okay. As far as I can tell, there was no one else like in the Zoom. It was just, just the two of us. So I, it had a very like limited run in that sense because I think it ran for four days total and it may be... I can't imagine she ran that many uh, shows a day because she was literally running for them either. So, 
So, but it was it was broadcast. Like she was broadcasting out, and yeah. multiple people were tapping in. So it was through. No, so I, this was done through an app, or, or, or it was what? it was through Zoom. So it was oh, just a break Zoom. room in Zoom, and I think it was just me and her in the room. I my phone was in my pocket because I was moving around, but oh. um, so like a one. So it was a one on one. Yeah, I think it was a one on one show, from what I can oh. tell. Why wild? Okay, so here's kind of the <laughs> aggregate here, right? Because like. Here's this like festival, all the stuff is audio based. I'm curious, are you, each of you recognizing something about the show you experienced in each other's descriptions here? Like at all? Are, are you, are you, are you hearing, you know, well, is there any recognition, any theme coming to you, Leah? So, sort of. Well, what I'm, what I'm thinking is I really wish that I'd done the other two because I think had we done multiple shows within tender absence, some larger themes would have been, would have shown up. Um, I really liked what Patrick was saying about thinking about public spaces and wondering about safety and wondering about what's going on in these other people's heads. Um, because my experience seemed to be the, the verso of that where I was sort of presumed to be very safe in the confines of this show. And it was like, absolutely assumed that I could walk around and do whatever I wanted in the space that I was in um, as long as I wasn't hurting anyone else. So like I, when I was being asked to think about other people, it was in the context of other people having a similar experience elsewhere. Um, there was no malintent in this show. Well, and I'm, I'm sort of listening to everything and, and I'm picking up a thread here of this idea of recontextualizing this, a space you're familiar with, mm. right? Like, like going through things with through new eyes, which is, which in a lot of the audio work that's really impacts the wrong word, but like the audio work that at least has had a chance of impacting me over the past year seems to have touched on that idea uh, in, in like a, in a very base level way. But the fact that you can go in all these different ways with it, but I don't know, uh, Kevin, did, did you find yourself seeing what you were looking at through new eyes or were you mostly kind of connected to the performer? I was mostly connected to the performer. And I think it was just because I found the subject matter very personal and she, and she calls out things as in her city as she's running and there's kind of nods to what's happening and asks you to look around but it's i i know that route i was running i've run it i don't know how many times at this point so it's like i know that house i know the turns i know where i'm going so it was more i think in that sense it was looking at at running with a new set of eyes um and kind of viewing that from a different perspective from someone else's perspective as i was kind of hearing them Quite literally in my head during the run. And how long did you run for? Did you it say was, that? I, I didn't have any timers on because I was trying to like stay present in the show. So I think it was about twenty-five minutes, um, maybe thirty. So you, you run for a little bit, and there's like a, a cool down as she kind of comes down off her run and, and chats through some stuff, and then it then it ends. Well, I, I guess no to your question personally. I, I, I am getting like a connective sense between all our pieces, but in a very kind of more submission guideline sense right now. Uh, it's like, you have to be audio based. You have to be your person. Well, has to well be hold on. Your audio- hold on. Mine was oh. not audio based. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So, it, but it's like, you have to, your audience has to be outside and they need to think about the space around them in a new way. Um, but I, I guess like the ultimate goal, like if the festival was about 
looking inward and engaging with space? Was it about looking outward? I don't know. I guess also to Leah's point, it would, I, you know, it's a, there's only so much time. It would be great to have seen some more of the work, but I, I, I do appreciate the sense that I've done other pod plays, uh, both at my own pleasure and leisure, and then on review for No Proscenium here. And I would say I did find this one to be the most engaging. And listening to Leah and Kevin's, I'm highly intrigued with those because I feel a lot of them are very safe, for lack of a better word, that they are more like go lie on your bed. Like, just listen to me talk. I'm going to whisper. There'll be sound effects. Or they're trying to just maybe tell a narrative, a, a traditional story in a new and engaging and unique way, which is appreciative for sure. I do I do like that. But I would say this is the first of the, what we'll just say collectively, pod play experiences that I felt were really trying to do something with the form, that were really trying to push in a new direction to actually try to say something. Mm. You know, so the people who put together Tender Absence, um, I think it's a group called Ongoing Collective. Uh, their big bent is towards sociocultural exploration. Um, at least that's what their their artist statement tells me. So I think there's a lot of thought going into how people interact with each other, with spaces, with uh, systems. Um, so maybe the inward introspective parts of these plays are a side effect of that and not an intention. It's, and it's funny if that was unintentional, because that's, that's kind of the theme I've picked up on running through at least the one I did and the one Leah did, where I connected with the creator of the show. Leah, you connected with a woman in, in Germany. Patrick, was there any kind of element of that for you with any kind of connection with, with someone through the show? I, I would not say that. Well, that was where I think my piece kind of faltered is that the connection between like re-experiencing environment or looking at an environment in the new way and a connection with someone didn't quite overlap. Like the Venn diagram was very light between being outside and moving about and listening and the uh, murder of Sarah Everhart. Like they just barely touched. There wasn't enough of an overlap. It kind of felt like in my in a walk in the park, it was two separate topics. There was like a very heavy handed, but vague allusion to a, a she constantly mentions, but there's never enough specifics or enough, even then generalities to form a picture one way or the other. Um, so I guess there was an attempt in mind now that we're kind of dissecting it, but I unfortunately think for mine, it was not potentially as executed or, the connections were not made as successfully as they could have been. So in many ways, I think it was just maybe about being mindful of the people around me, my presence at large in the world, right? Or maybe even the reverse of it, my, pre my very small presence in a much larger world that I might not be as like in control of or aware of what's going on around me. Um, speaking of stuff going on around um, us, how did you guys feel about the accessibility of your shows? And I can I can elaborate. 
<laughs> no, I, no, I actually okay. think it's a really great question, and my deafening silence was being caught off guard by it. Um, <laughs> the same for me. I would say for mine, it was probably if it was con- I, I I can't say if it was. Uh, this is purely conjecture, right? Most likely, if it was considered, it's like everyone lives near a park. Uh, and they can most likely, if they can get to it, they can probably move around in it. I would, you know, like there was no, you know, mention or ensuring, like, make sure it's a park that doesn't have stairs or, you know, things like that. It was just like, get yourself to a large park. And I guess by the, the assumption is that if you can do that, then you can traverse the park. Mm. Mm-hmm. But there was there was no reassuring or guaranteeing one way or the other because they're actually with mine. At one point, you're encouraged to actually at the spoiler alert, sixty seconds, take a jump. Is that you're encouraged to walk off the the path at the very end? So, Leah, to what you're getting at is if you were someone who was unable or was only able to experience uh, this experience through by being on a path you would be uh, in big trouble because in the parks I went to, because I experienced mine twice with two different parks, uh, neither of which, if going off the path, would have been a good time. Mm. I want to keep talking about accessibility, but I'm also interested, Patrick, do you think you would have had the same experience as a female? Well, that was the thing, because I actually, that was part of the reason why I listened to mine twice, because there was a... um, I'll, I'll say a male identifying voice for one recording and a female identifying voice for the other. And I was, I, I just by more or less accident did the, the male voice first. Uh, but then ultimately it was still about, you know, if there was kind of an identity of uh, anything to it, it was about like being acknowledging of men and things like that. Like I see some men pushing themselves around and stuff like that. So it, once again, I can't, I, I feel like mine didn't really consider that honestly. Mm. So, so mine mentioned at the front of the show in, in the show blurb that um, it was an accessible show. And I, I thought that was a really interesting thing um, because the essence of the show was that it was place agnostic and it really was meant to be done anywhere. Um, So some big assumptions were being made. One of the suggestions was you start on your doorstep. Um, So we're already assuming that people have a safe space where they're living and that the area around their house is accessible and okay for pedestrians to be walking around in. Um, And like, it's really got me thinking lately about the presumed universality of a lot of immersive. Um, And this is just a seed of a thought. So I'm I'm sort of still sitting with it a lot as I notice it more and more, but um, it kind of makes me think of the SATs (laughs) where where we're trying to make this universal test um, that everyone can succeed or not on um, and be graded fairly across the way. But really we've got a lot of like coded assumptions about what people are familiar with or what they aren't. Well, not to get too heavy. No, no. And personally, I think I think it's a good question to ask, Leah, because I, I, I definitely, I, I, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure you're all like me in the sense that I really try not to 
learn as I try to have as little information as possible to go into most of these experiences that I review to just kind of ensure that whatever I'm seeing conveys its thoughts, feelings, narrative of its own, rather than having read something in a blurb and being like, oh, that's what this, it, it was about love all along. Um, I try not to engage with that. And something that being a, a, a healthy white guy in America, I Mr. Magoo my way through mobility <laughs> advisory concerns. Cause I'm like, I'm just gonna go wherever I want because I can. Boop, boop, boop. So I, I, I really, pre- I guess I, I appreciate you asking that, but um, that's that's where it's like a heady question in that sense, you know? Well, and one of those things, you know, for us to like kind of look at the, the arc of this is I keep on thinking back to the idea that maybe there, maybe there isn't, maybe the, maybe the assumption that there is is a universality to any of this is like a giant mistake, right? Like instead it should really be about when, when there's, whether there's accessibility issues or not, that there winds up being um, an embracing of a point of view, right? Like we know that we're asking people to be in a particular point of view. We are maybe um, privileging a particular way of approaching the world and creating some degree of transparency around that. Because I think something we'll get into when we talk about um, you know, the the spooky season stuff in LA, which I realize that because Leah's coming in next month, she may want to tap out for, right? When we like mm-hmm. she may want to bail on the, the second half of the show so she doesn't get, doesn't get spoiled. Yeah. Kevin, I'm dying to read your article about delusion and I'm just like I've put it off to a side for a few weeks. Yeah. It's mostly yeah. spoiler free, but yeah, no, no it's but, 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 but yeah, yeah. But but still like there there, there may be a section that's like spoilery that we, we you know we, when we're talking it's a little hard uh, so we'll, we'll tag on that, but you know, there's there's definitely accessibility issues going on in there, and like, I I want I want the field, right? Like, I want immersive as a field to be universally accessible. Um, but I think like something that could like really excite, you know, I would be very excited if there was like a show that was completely in American Sign Language that was experiential. Mm. And like, and there was no accommodation made for people who did not, you know, speak American Sign Language, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be, I'd be very, very much interested in creators creating stuff in different modalities um, so that we weren't just trying to take this tack of like completely leveling the playing field uh, and thus maybe 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 taking away some of the voice of what you know a, a creator with a particular point of view is trying to do but instead making sure that as sort of a, a gestalt as a as a community that we're making sure that there are more voices being raised um, more points of view being brought in and and ones that kind of engage people with their whole selves um, which doesn't knock out you know people trying to create some stuff that's you know super universal as well Mm -hmm. and when it comes to like you know dealing with say a large corporation right like there's kind of like the more resources you have um the more it's completely 
not just kosher, but it's like imperative that we call upon folks with more resources to be more accountable. Um, you can't see me, but I am nodding ecstatically because <laughs> you're making, I think you're making what is essentially my point. I don't have a problem necessarily with um, the city at your feet not being as accessible as it could be. My problem is that it's presented as an accessible show. Mm. Um, and it's a show presumably about how much we all have in common um, when we sort of step back and have this universal experience. So like, I really wanted the creators to acknowledge that that's true within a very certain, like within a limited range. Right. Well, go for it, Kevin. Oh, no, I think because Running Club doesn't build itself as accessible. It just asks you to walk or run around your local neighborhood. And I think weirdly that gets at a point for for both this show and for uh, The City of Your Feet where maybe the shows are intended to be accessible, but it does kind of highlight how cities are usually inaccessible for, for mm-hmm. people who are less mobile. I'm clapping um, faintly. Just mm-hmm. enough for people to hear maybe. And I think, so I, maybe it's an unintentional aspect of these shows to kind of highlight that, but I think it, it does touch on that. I don't know. Most, most cities and neighborhoods are not meant, <laughs> meant for people who are not walking <laughs> or running right. or driving a car, but that's a separate thing. But, or, or to fall back on Leah's point earlier about like, would you, you know, to question to Patrick, would he, would he feel the same if he, you know, would he, does he think he'd feel the same about it if he was a woman? Because the material is talking about the murder of a woman uh, and asking him to walk around spaces and sort of mm-hmm. alienating him from those spaces. Now put yourself in the body of the, of the kind of person who was targeted and killed, right? Like could be absolute horror show, could be incredibly triggering, right? And as we explore these other points of view, like it's, it's not an easy thing, right. To like wrestle with um, how diverse the approaches to this, this consensus reality we have are. And we, we take so many things for granted all the time. It's in everything we do, uh, you know, the, the assumptions of the way the world works uh, are just embedded into, Kevin, to your point, our cities, our software, our municipal codes, our tax laws, on and on and on. And the fascinating thing about the 21st century in the past couple of decades is as we've brought more people into the town square, thanks to the internet, we have found this absolute incredible diversity of, of perspective and finding a way to reconcile that in a way that that isn't just smashing down one group or another is it's threading the needle. You know, it's it's pushing the the camel through the eye of the needle. It's it's not. It, it's it's something that hasn't been successfully done in human history, um, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving for it, but also. Um, I think sometimes I think sometimes we get we 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 don't acknowledge just there are some days when I, I feel like I'm like, why is it like this? Why can't it be easier? And I have to step back and remind myself, oh right, no one's managed to do this so far. That's why it's hard. Okay, we can keep going now. <laughs> I, I mean, I think almost a good place to kind of end on these shows is is on that note. Um, but 
Patrick or Leo, do you have any kind of other points you want to make about these pieces as a whole, your piece on its own? No, I, I would agree with that. And I, in that sense, while I, for mine, uh, a walk in the park, while I was critical that I felt that the overlap between the narrative and then the larger message of real life events that they were trying to convey did not go over well to Leah and to Noah's point in particular that like, I appreciate that effort to do that story. Right. Like it's mm -hmm. like in my review, I talked about just like the frustration of like, I spent more time thinking about how the experience could have coalesced those two ideas together in a more fluid and natural way rather than to what Lee has been getting at and driving wonderfully through this conversation is that sense of being in that person's shoes, right? Like really thinking about that and really walking away with that appreciation, which in, in turn, like this conversation has really mined out that. And I appreciate all of that. And, you know, I do, I do want to say, I feel like it might sound like I'm being really down on this show. I had a, an excellent time. Um, we had the option to extend an additional two hours. I took that option um, nice. The city at your feet was absolutely charming, and you know I, I like picking apart immersive because this is what I do, and I think it's really interesting. Um, but ultimately, this was a pleasant, kind of quiet little show, um, and I loved it for that. Well, yeah, and, and like, I feel like oh, go ahead, Noah. Oh, I was just gonna say like you know when when we run into something that we really like. And then we know where its limitations are and how it could like maybe more people could get it. Like that, that's how that always feels like it comes off to me is like, you know, being like, oh man, I wish everyone could share in this because this is good. <laughs> right. You know, like. No, that's, that's why I'm a critic is because I love this so much and I want to like, okay, that was, that was 99% of the way there. Let me give you another 1%. Let's do this. Oh, absolutely. And then, um, and I was threatening on Twitter the other week to like, uh, maybe do a book club of this. There's a book by the religious philosopher James Carse called Finite and Infinite Games. And it posits that there are only two types of games. Uh, there are finite games that are played um, to be won, and there are infinite games, which are played for the purpose of continuing play. And uh, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it isn't really about games. It's about life, this book, because it's from a religious philosopher. So people who are like into like, you know, the study of games, like, you know, Ludo scholars, like some of them like hate it. They're like, oh, I wish people wouldn't read Cars all the time. And it's like, well, that's, that's, that's confusing the forest and the trees. Um, but the core of it being this idea of uh, with infinite games, like infinite players play to play with boundaries, but they also literally play to keep the game going. And uh, I guess, you know, well, I don't want to totally spoil the book because it does something fun, but this idea that like you want to bring more people into the game, you want the enthusiasm to spread, and so sometimes when we hit up against an accessibility barrier, right? It's just like oh, we more people can't play. Why can't more people play? What can we do to get it so that more people can play? And some people look at that and go like, oh, why are you complaining about the way the game is? It's like no, no, you understand. I want more people to play. That's it. I just want I want there to be more games. End of the, end of the road there. Sorry, I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Stop scrolling I'm, I'm, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'm dancing. I'm dancing. I'm like, amen. Absolutely. All right. We'll let that close out the first section here. And now we're going to head into spooky season in Los Angeles, which is the best time of the year. 
should we give ourselves like 10 minutes of non-spoiler? I think so. Okay. We can, we can kind of, we'll summarize both Delusion and, and Creep and kind of talk big picture. And then I don't want to say we get super spoilery, but we will maybe get a little more into it than um, we're going to start. All right. Well, I'll be Do the you... I'll play the part of the curious fan for the first ten minutes, and then you guys have to tell me when it's time to go. <laughs> we'll be like, run, run yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, Kevin, do you want to you want to tackle creep, and I'll tackle delusion for the setups. Yeah, and actually, do you want to go? You can go first with delusion. Okay, I was, I was rambling my my mouth. Um, delusion reaper's remorse is the latest from a delusion creator john braver now uh operating out of 13th floor entertainment which is a kind of a a west coast and i think texas kind of national multi-regional uh haunt brand based primarily out of denver if memory serves um delusion of course is this incredibly cinematic immersive interactive theater um, twist on the classic haunted house. Um, there've been, Oh, let's see. I think this is the sixth delusion. Um, I am, I am sadly. So there was, there was, there was um, lies within. There was something else. I can't remember the name of uh, those two. I did not get to see. There was his Crimson Queen, which was like a kind of a hammer horror vampire one with a couple other types of vampires in them, uh, which was my first illusion, which I loved. Uh, there was uh, the uh, the Blue Blade, and oh yeah, I must maybe there's only five, maybe it's a fifth illusion. Uh, and I, I look on the website anyway. I just botched I'll, this part. I'll run through them rough. It's the first one's illusion in 2011. The Blood Right was in 2012. Blood Right, then Lies Mad- Within, no. then his Crimson. Oh. There was another one. There was Mask of Mortality in 2013. Mask of Mortality. And then oh Lies God. Within. His and then Lies Within. 2016. So is this the 7th? This is... I can't count, but sure. Del- Delusion, Blood sure. Right, Mask of Mortality, Lies this Within, yes. Hits Crimson Queen, Blue Blade, Reaper's Remorse. Okay. This is the 7th Delusion. Um, so they've been at this for a the, Try and just make a simple point, but make it complicated. Welcome to No Persinium. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the seventh of these. And the hall, there are two major hallmarks of any delusion. One, it is incredibly cinematic. And that means uh, John Braver brings his uh, skills as a stunt performer to designing gags in the show. Uh, it means that the absolutely incredible uh, design team uh, makes film set quality set pieces throughout the whole thing and indeed designs your traversal from space to space with that in mind. There's one thing, I won't say what it is, but, but relatively early on in this show, there is something that is the physical equivalent of a tracking shot. Like you as camera are moving through something and uh, everything was designed in such a way to create a moment of a reveal. And it works <laughs> real well. Um, and there's just surprises. And there are these like melodramatic characters who treat you like you're part of their world. And I think on the, on the kind of performance side, what always works in Delusion is they do this great job of 
um, expecting you to kind of respond with their own intensity. They don't demand it of you, but like they leave it dangling that like, you know, why aren't you in a panicked a panicked wreck, right? You know, like it's this sort of like implied. So all the actors are very facile uh, in, in that way. And the other side of it is it, it's so much of it is based in uh, John's love of old school adventure games. So there's a lot of stuff that would not be out of place in a point and click adventure. Um, uh, and there's been various degrees of that in the delusions over the years. Uh, this one, um, uh, kind of simplified in some ways on in that dynamic but still a lot of fun because it's just like there's always a moment in each room where there's a thing you've got to do and you might do it solo or a couple people might work on it together and it's what triggers the next cinematic moment and that feels fun it's just a lot of fun the story this time out you know is very much rooted in kind of haunted house tropes there's an old mansion um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a, a place between worlds, if you will, that has like appeared, uh, you are sent into it by the owner of the house who, um, from all available evidence is like this woman who's a serial killer, who's been like collecting souls and you're going to go into this place and, um, you know, re- you know, transmorgify the souls through some point and click adventure stuff uh that then leads you back uh to kind of like you know feeding the the monster in, at the heart of it all uh which she is somehow bound up with um if if uh if if that's not entirely clear part of it is is to not completely spoil leah the other part of it is that that's just kind of there to like give you a reason to be in the spaces and for the set pieces to go off. Like much like, much like a haunted house story on film, like the, the whys there isn't necessarily this big psychological underpinning of the whole thing. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a machine for entertainment. Um, and as such, it works really well as a machine for entertainment. Um, I think I was more, uh, in terms of the stories that delusions had in the past, I mean, it's my third full delusion. Um, Crimson Queen for me is still my favorite because uh, I found myself really into the mythology because I love vampires and really like the relationship we were cast into right from the start. So I felt like I had clear character motivation in this one. Uh, it's a plot device is, is how we have character motivation. So it's, it, the stakes aren't as, as personal even though they're like urgent in the same way. Um, but the, we're not cast in a particular role uh, in a way that feels really grounded into the interpersonal drama of it all. But again, not, not I just want to chime in, chime in there. There's a way they try to connect you like into the material in that like first five minutes before they just send you into the house. And I didn't find it as effective as the actual like stories that were running in the house, which is weird because it, it sets up personal stakes for the audience and then yeah. they, they don't work as well. It's very bizarre. Well, but, it, but I also think that's a, as a function of, yeah. you know, it is a plot contrivance, right? Yeah. You know, like, it's like a, like, ah, this is why, this is why you can't say no. Right. And, and which is, you know, when it comes to like story architecture or something to like, that's interesting to think about, right. It's like, we're going to cast the audience. We're going to give them a ticking clock. 
I'm also someone who doesn't love ticking clock stories, right? Like my least favorite part of most movies are like, and now the clock is ticking. And I'm like, yeah, but like the time it's movie time. So none of this feels right. But like, no, and, yeah. And this one felt at least one that like maybe LA immersive horror stuff is, has kind of relied on in the past too. And it's like, oh, okay, you got to do it. You got to do it. It's going to get us over there. But yeah. it wasn't super necessary. Right. And, that, and, that, and well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if there had been, there could have, like I said, tropey. Right, like there's a tropey yeah, yeah. lead in, but once you're in it, like yeah. this is the most you know. I mean, Delusion's always got the you know what we call a dark ride to it, um, but this is, I mean, oh, I the, the set pieces, like again, something I would gladly run through again, uh, just to like get a different angle on the set pieces. Also, I think for Kevin and my Kevin and I went on the same run, and I think like there were. There, there were only supposed to be 10 people, but they crammed in an extra two people. I gotta say that that made, a, I think, a big difference because sometimes you're in spaces, and this wasn't like a COVID thing. It's just like sight lines. It was like there were things that were like harder to see because there were an extra two bodies in the room. And the set pieces, every set piece, I kind of feel, this, this is my personal opinion on, on our personal opinion show, I feel like every set piece was a banger once we were in the, the main space. And... You got to know, I love the kind of video gamey conceit of it all. Like there was a sequence where I was like crawling around on my hands and knees, avoiding a monster. And like, that's why I go to delusion. Um, and as far as people thinking, oh, is it, is it super scary or not? Uh, someone I know went who, um, you know, was very worried about being scared and like, ah, I wasn't scary at all. Um, so on the other hand, they're also, they've also come out and said like, oh, this is the scariest one we've done yet. And I think that entirely depends on what scares you, because I think there's some creepy stuff in this that if you've gotten certain phobias, you are going to be creeped out by, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not prey to any of those in particular. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's delusion in a nutshell. And then I'm Kevin definitely. Kevin wrote a piece, uh, so you can hear Kevin's version. Yeah, of that's that's up on the site. You can, you can read my words, hear Noah's, um, and we'll come back to delusion in a few minutes. I'll go. I'll cover kind of the the creep overview, and then we can probably discuss the the two shows together because I think there's some like kind of interesting, at least surface level parallels, and it's just uh, fun to have these two shows back in LA after a year off and with nothing going on. So creep this year also deals with a pseudo haunted house um so this one they they start you out you you load into the new the ghost light which is um jfi productions who puts on creep every year their new kind of bar entertainment space and that's where the show starts so there's a few characters roaming around you can chat with them and they kind of set up the rest of the show that is this this house has appeared in the town and it pulls people into it as with any kind of haunted house story people are drawn into the house and then they don't come back and everybody's kind of wondering up what is up with the house and and how do you what's it about why is it there can you get out of it so and then i don't feel like this is this is spoilers i think it discusses on the site so you start off in the bar and then you kind of wander around this fully realized town square that the creep has built out in the middle of this club and it is super super impressive to kind of see what they did and there's there's some some tricks and kind of hidden things there that are that are neat and it's 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 didn't expect it with that space so it was cool to see that 
and then eventually of course you do enter into the the haunted house and it is it's it's creeps version of of a halloween haunted maze basically it's it's still very much in the creep spirit of that kind of artsy weird sexy cool fun thing but it's 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 a haunted house and it's it's fun like it's it's their take and it is it's just a cool show that you can uh you can go through I'm bad at explaining things sometimes. Well, here I have a question. Excuse me, I have a question. Though, yeah. Um, it, how for creep, Kevin? Yes. It's it, you know, so now in kind of listening to you and reading your uh, capsule review, I, I still so I still don't know. Like I guess the narrative of it, or for this piece, is that not necessarily needed or the case? So. This one sort of has an air of it in terms of you're trying to figure out what's going on at the house. But as as I was talking to Noah over this weekend as we were going through all these shows together, Creep is almost always more about like the vibes of the piece than the actual narrative. They, they right, have you're... seen... Oh, go ahead. Well, right. You're just some stupid idiot who decided to walk into the creepy house on Halloween, right? Like, is that kind of... Like, once again, using like movie tropes and things like that, it's like, well... Let's just yeah. go look at hear that noise in that room. Yeah, like creeps, creeps, creep in the past has like ex, you know dabbled in casting the audience uh, very clearly a, a few times. They've done in, in JFI, right? Like they do that in the Willows. Uh, it's always been like you've been invited to something, right? But you're like you're you're just expected to be you. Um, and in and in this one, you know. The, the conceit is that the house is calling you, right? Like you get a lot of characters in the, in the preamble. It's like, all, but they all answered the call and they never came back. Do you hear it? Do you hear it now? Mm. You know what it sounds like when it calls me? Like it's stuff like that, right? You know, and it's just sort of inviting you to fill in the gaps for yourself. Um, um, let your imagination kind of run wild to what you're going to find. And then sort of telling you some of the stuff that you might encounter inside the house, right? Um, kind of a real big exercise in priming, but not, not less of a, less of a coherent narrative and more, particularly in this case, kind of echoing the work they did on, uh, the activation they did for Amazon's lore a few years ago. It's more like a series of vignettes that are held together with the singular idea of the house that no one comes back from, but like, but why does no one come back from the house? Well, that's the question, right? Sure. And yeah, that's almost always how creep up. Cause even awake, I think is, is basically just a series of vignettes loosely tied together. They do like dreams. House of creep is, is a little bit more narratively substantial, but was also kind of a series of vignettes tied together through this like idea of art. And then this one is, is that. That is very much their thing is these kind of like we're gonna put on these like cool, weird scenes that you can you can take part of in and then there's kind of a loose framing to it. And yeah. it's they never they care about it in the sense that they, they wanna like try and infuse it with something, but it's it's more important that these these scenes give you the feel of the scene rather than the whole thing. Right. So like creep is like celebrating like the love of 
the love we all have for spooky season where delusion is like maybe is a homage or a specific aspect of spooky season you're exploring like i would say like when both of them reach so one of the conversations kevin and i had were about how um you know i think i think i could kevin correct me if i'm wrong i'm like imagining looking over at you but like we were sort of both talking about how with both shows this year the highs aren't the highest they've been but like I, I said, like, but the floor is up to our knees. Yeah. It's like the baseline on both shows this year is like more solid, I think, than they've ever been. Right. Like these are just really even even at moments when things kind of maybe drop a little bit, um, it it there's no more there's no point where you're like, oh, like oh, oh that that isn't really working, right? Like like, you know, the last big delusion was blue blade. And the highs in Blue Blade were incredibly high, but then like there were a couple of moments that were kind of lows, and they really just kind of like killed it dead in its tracks, right? Uh, there and some of that was like the mechanics of it. Um, this time out, nothing ever really kills it dead in its tracks, you know. Like uh, there's there's some traversal stuff. Um, like <laughs> just to be clear, we were talking about accessibility earlier. Um, <laughs> Delusion's not accessible at all. Like it is in a, it is in a in a in a house that was built in eighteen seventy five, and there's like another structure that's also similarly old. Um, like there there there's it's it's a miracle to navigate uh, I, in and of itself. I think this is the second delusion show in a row with a like terrifyingly steep staircase in it. At yeah, some point. Like, yeah, terrifyingly steep staircase with like uh, uh, luckily there's a hand railing, but it is like you know like like pipe fitting hand rate, right? Yeah. You're like, like this, this is, this is like, you know, for, for people who know how to keep their balance, right? Like exceptionally unaccessible. Like at one point you, you don't crawl under a house, but there's a, there's a thing in the cellar that you, that you can like check out outside. So inaccessible, like, like very, very clearly inaccessible creep. Um, uh, similarly, like in an older building, but like maybe like a, a, a sconch more accessible, but I don't think someone in a wheelchair could go through, but someone maybe with with mobility problems could go through because like there isn't any significant ups and downs too much. There There's- is one where they force you through a, to kind of climb through something though that I think blocks off a chunk of the show. And I'm not sure how wide it is later. It's, it's, uh, yeah, like it, if someone with major mobility problems would, would not want to go yeah. into creep either uh uh but you know there's 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 a little more wiggle room there right you know you're not you're not uh you're not as as taxed there but i feel like you know jfi as a company the one time i feel like they've really reached for story 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 was with the willows which was the show that they were running off season um and then with the other ones they've done you know it's stories, 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 right? Any given scene inside a creep show is a pretty complete little vignette. And the question is always, how are they all adding up together? Um, like, Awake has a real climax to it or had a real climax to it. Um, Lore didn't really, you know, kind of had a, a, a spectacular-ish finish in some ways. Um if memory serves, it's been a while. Uh, the the one the the second year version of it that I saw, like I don't remember it being as uh, having like a really big big climax, but actually kind of again impressionistic. Which, you know? which one? 
the second one, the gallery, like not the gallery one, but like, well, yeah, the, the art, the painting, the one about the painting. Like the oh, house, painting. house definitely has a climax. Not, how, not house. House has a climax. No, no, but the one before that. Oh, one, which oh. you didn't go to that one, did you? Did you go for the second? That no, was second I've, one. I've started with Lore. I've done Lore Awake yeah, and yeah. House. Yeah, yeah. So the second one, it was about the second one was about an evil, about a painter and an evil painting. Uh, or like, and like a bunch of, again, cursed art. Like that's the thing with creep cursed art is a thing. <laughs> Here's some cursed art. Uh, it's going to tear a fabric, tear, tear the fabric of reality open. And you're gonna have to deal with the consequences of this cursed art. Like that's, that's creep in a nutshell and delusion each, t- each time there, there is like, there is, um, there's a plot, right. And, and there's often a, a story and sometimes, and and that's one of the things is like, Blue Blade was very exposition heavy, and I think that was one of the things also that like, aside from being not horror, I think one of the, one of the things people had an issue with that show was like how exposition heavy it was. That being said, production wise, it was the most spectacular thing like they 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 ever tackled. Like there were just some like, what the heck? How are you doing this inside this space stuff? And this one. Oh, go for it. It's funny that you say that because I actually like. I guess there are some more like technical wow impressive moments in Blue Blade, but I actually found uh, Reaper's Remorse more consistent and more like, how'd they do that? Like, there's some like mm. more kind of interesting things I thought they do, and in, in almost like scaling back from trying to go like so crazy that it it kind of brings it into a more interesting space. Yeah, I think I think that I think you're right there and that like there's a focus on on the intimacy of it. Like they're not trying I mean, to be clear with Blue Blade, there's a moment where you walked out into a, a space and you found yourself in the middle of like a jungle with complete with a full like Legend of the Hidden Temple style temple. Like you were in an Indiana Jones story and you were like going from like, you know, time, you know, timeline to timeline to timeline. Um, but when things didn't go right in that one, like it was like, Oh gosh, I wish that had worked. But when things worked, it was like, Holy monkeys. That is just like, what? Um, and here it just like, they're, they're working a little more intimate so that when, when they do decide to pop something off, it just, it does like the moments land stronger. And like, I mean, the, what, of of the show like the actual story of the show is very very clear like it's totally possible to follow the through line you know it's like oh i i I get what we're doing here but the why of it's a little more opaque and like the stakes for the characters and i think some of that has to do with like we're we're put in via plot Mm -hmm. still if you if you decide to just be if if you if you if you let go of, you know, if you let go of the what's my motivation again question and just be like, well, I'm in this bind, time to do the thing, uh, it's such a blast. Well, and I think that was that was the point I tried to make in my piece too, is that even though the the why of the overall thing is is kind of not there, the the why of the characters you encounter are very clear. So I think there's two main ones you're hanging with for the show. And you know exactly what they want and why they're doing it and, and how you can kind of like maybe have assistance. And it, it ties you into the show a lot better than that kind of like overall narrative. And I yeah. thought that was that was the most successful part of the show for me was how that worked. And it was like, okay. And I think I think that way in, in the ways in which like creep and delusion are similar, right? Is like the I 
those characters, each of the characters in delusion in inside like the the main mechanic of it all, right? Like feel their stakes are very clear. You know, you're in their in their stories with them. Like the it, those scenes pop because of the characters. Um in in creep this year, it feels a lot more like you're being you're always being told a story, right? Like there's there's a way in which creep has like you know like Neil Gaiman's The Sandman is obviously like I would I would not be surprised to find if like Daniel Montgomery is like the main usually one of the main writers on creep if he's not like a big Sandman fan because of that whole idea of stories about stories, right? Like you know, but you're still you're if if delusion is a dark ride where the ride vehicle fell apart and you are fully on your own to try and navigate and try and figure out where the tracks are creep this year is a dark ride where no, you're, you're inside the car at all times, you know, like keep your hands, keep your hands and your feet inside. Um, and, and, and there's a, there's a little bit more of a barrier between, um, between you and that world. I don't Kevin, does that make sense? No, I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Cause there yeah. is, I think, and it's weird because I think creep is the more interactive of the, in a sense, it's more interactive. Like the the bar scene, especially where you kind of chat with all the characters, and they do a good job of kind of. I think there's four or five of them in there, and they cycle the way they cycle them through the groups that are in the bar is really kind of yeah clever and lets you get those pieces of the story kind of at pre like preset times almost. I'm not sure how they have it had set up, but it, it works really well, and that's. Mm-hmm. Sequence. The, yeah, like the forty-five minutes or so. Like they let you in a, like about thirty minutes, forty-five minutes early time enough to get a drink. They give you a very specific place to sit. Like they're very clear. Like all oh, here is the mask that we're going to identify. Put this mask over your mask, uh, so that we know which group you're in, and sit down in this specific space. We will come get you when the time comes, and then the characters do come up to you and like. It, that yeah, that totally feels intimate and interesting. And like, uh, yeah, my most interesting character interactions were in in the lounge. Yeah, uh, like sure. they're 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 they are very 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 good at that, right? And then you kind of go on this little like you know, there's this little attraction afterwards. Um, but if you think of the whole thing, I guess a gestalt. Also, like, w- would if we hadn't if they hadn't hadn't done any of that stuff in the in the um, in the lounge, would you have any idea what? what the story of the thing was? I think sort of, I think it would have been very similar to Lu- or delusion where it was kind of like, I, I kind of know what's happening. Maybe I don't, I think I do. Who yeah. knows? Um, but yeah, the, the bar does a very good job of establishing, I think the tone and the direction of the piece. And I think if, if it, the bar scene didn't exist, the show would be much weaker as a whole. So I guess it, if you removed it, it would kind of fall apart in that sense. Mm. yeah and not to say that the material kind of later the the town square and the haunted house aspects aren't strong i think it just it needs that kind of extra piece that that ties everything together i feel like we've we've covered the bases without going beat by beat leah did we just absolutely devastate and destroy your expectations or ruin it for you no 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 i'm fascinated um it sounds like we've got a lot of good ambience going on um this is absolutely what i'm here for my my number one like my 
my ideal goal for haunted scary stuff is personalized psychological terror. But if I can't have that, I want a beautiful, well-produced space. And this, this sounds like what I want. Yeah, if you if you if you're not living in fear of getting your hair shaved off, then <laughs> the least that they could do for you is Hey, uh, I got to it before they could. It's it's gone now. Oh well there oh well then God knows where they'll go next. <laughs> oh god. Oh no. Uh, um, but that sounds like it's my cue to jump off so that you guys can talk about all the spoilers you want. I I, I don't know if we do. No, I don't I mean, yeah, I think we've exhausted it. You know. Do do either of you have any more questions? Kind of not having been through a delusion or, or creep either. Yeah, was, you know, was there I, anything I like do, really unclear? Nothing was unclear, but I do have a question, and I'm a little bit nervous to ask it because it's like the most basic question. Ask um, it, and if and okay. if you don't want to answer, we'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, because I haven't been to any of the LA haunts. I am the whole time you guys were describing stuff, I was mentally comparing it to the McKittrick and Sleep No More. How relevant or reasonable is that comparison? So scaled down, we're not talking nearly the same amount of square footage. Um they are decidedly different beasts with different goals. I'd say Delusion, hold on. I'd say creep has a little bit more of the spectacle to it, but every scene in each of these involves direct address the performers to you, right? Like Mm -hmm. when these, it's almost like imagine if someone was trying to do a one on one with about six to 10 people, right? Or a small, like a two on a, a two on sex, right? Uh, with occasionally one on ones. Um, so, like, yeah, delusion. It'd be like it's like a one a one to ten, and occasionally someone's going to be pulled off and get a one on one. With creep, it's pretty much one to six all the whole time this year. It, um, there's some. Short moments, I think, where it breaks up into smaller groups, but essentially it's, yeah. it's one to six the whole time. Except for the lounge, where you know it's kind of yeah. more sandboxy. Um, but like, like imagine if like the lounge, it's almost like what if the characters are getting a lot more in your grill than they do at Manderley, right? Mm. You know, and there's definitely there's some Manderley homages in like even one of the songs like gets like you know like recycled in the playlist, um, but. And then when it comes to production design, you know, there's there's that same. I'd say in production design wise, um, they're they're operating at a similar level, but not at the same scale uh, as as uh, Sleep No More. Uh, so and, I, I think if I were going to put it this way, I'd say delusion. It does operate at a similar scale, but it owes more to like a traditional haunted house, something you would find at like Horror Nights, where it's kind of got that scaled up production design. And I think Creep probably owes more to Sleep No More and the McKittrick in terms of kind of the stylings and the the energy it gives off, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, thank you. Except I'd say with like with 
I'd say one thing with like delusion is like, it's almost like what you wish a haunted house was because like a haunted house is such like a, and then thing over here and then thing over here. Like, it's like, Oh, I wish that creepy ghost would like spend a moment and like, you know, tell me it's horrible life story and then get me to try to take its place in, in you the know. land of the dead. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's what every, everyone is thinking when they go through haunted houses. Let's be realistic. They, are you being sarcastic? Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, like it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of, I mean, it's still super melodramatic, but it's a little bit like, but what if, but what if this is real? <laughs> you know, like there were no jump scares, and the ghost just just talked to me and told me a sad story. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. that is mean, what I want. Actually. I mean, there yeah. are some jump scares. I mean, someone there was a nice jump. Like it didn't affect us, but the person that got like it got like a a couple of people got got in delusion this year, uh, and one person in our group got got in in creep. Um, but uh, yeah, they're both just fun. There's so much fun this year. Yeah, like I don't. It is. It's, that's what both these shows are is is just kind of pure unfiltered fun even i think even on an off year it's still a lot of fun but like we said this the floor this year is is pretty high on all of them so it's it's just like a fun ride the whole time it feels like and, and like after like a year of not being able to do it at all yeah. and and after like you know you know in um in sports teams have rebuilding years and I kind of feel like for both of them, I mean, what's funny, Creep, you know, JFI thought they were done doing Creep. They were like, we're never going to do it again. And here they are, and they're just getting solid out. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Delusion, pretty sure, you know, Braver was maybe feeling at the end of his rope as well. And here's just a super solid year, right? Like, no one's, re- no one's trying to reinvent anything right now. Uh, and that's okay. And the machines are purring. Um, and who doesn't love a purring machine that tries to invite you to stay forever uh, and confine your soul into a small box? Man, I can't wait. <laughs> I hope we haven't. I hope we haven't overhyped it for you, though, too, right? Because look, it's still just people in makeup and like practical effects and some projection effects, right? It's some you know, lighting, like, probably. You know, it's not. It's. It isn't actually a transcendental experience. That's the thing is like, these are not transformational experiences, right? Like they're, that's not the aim here. These are entertainment experiences. They are very entertaining. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're, they're trying to be more oh, no. than that. They're not reaching for, for that kind of like, then she fell thing, but they're, they want to be fun and they're fun as hell. Like, yeah. And Leah, yeah, I think maybe we can have you back on after you, you go through those for That's sure. Really good idea. Like, she can tell us I, how disappointed she is. No, no, no. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm so excited. So I, I don't want to take us away from the haunt stuff, but I'm about to attend um, The Haunting of Grey Manor. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast before. It's um, a haunted house LARP um, live action role play, and it is supposed to be a transformative experience. And this group has haunt, has rented out the Masonic Temple in Cambridge, Uh from all reports, they're messing with production values that are higher than most weekend LARPs. Um, so I'm super excited to do that. And then the next week to come out and um, do some of these and maybe compare notes afterwards. Sounds brilliant. We'll have to look at your travel dates because maybe we'll be able to do some stuff in person, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Woo. All right, Kevin. 
and that's that's a wrap on today's show. Does anyone have a a pitch for pick of the week as we as we wrap up here? Or we can just uh, call it a night. I, th- I think I'm calling it a night. Yeah, I'm shaking right. my head, which is not helpful on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one one day we'll figure that out. <laughs> Patrick will uh, will vocalize. I will stop screwing up everybody's titles at the beginning of the show, and uh, we'll be good. <laughs> Perfect. One day. One day. Yeah, not not today, but uh, one day. All right. So uh, stay tuned to the No Pro Podcast feed for this show, and then the full podcast where you can figure out what the pick of the week is. Have a good one.